So we're going to get with chapter 25 in a real quick. I was really prepared to do last week's, and I thought, man, that was a cool lesson. Uh, and then I guess uh, you did, Brother Hawkins did it. I'm like, man, but then when I really got to study on this one, this is even cooler. I don't know about you, but I still use those terms. I like cool. I, li I like things that pop out and just, and I'm not in the box kind of guy. You know, I'm not, you know, I just, you know, like how a flower blooms out. You know, do you ever notice that? You're looking at it and it's all squeezed up, this little seed, and then all at once it's poof. You know, and so that's what I like about scripture sometimes. Sometimes when I'm reading it, it's just like, poof. did you see it? You know what I mean? And so I, maybe you guys don't. I'm just a little bit different. I'm usually uh, pretty active, but anyway. So I'm going to read the verse first. And this is really sets off the whole thing, okay? If we just read that verse, sometimes uh, Terry and I were actually happened to be at a... Uh, a music conference, I guess, last two weekends, two weeks ago, when we were going on vacation. And I, I don't know if you know Jim Cimbala or not. You know, he's the pastor of the Tabernacle Church in New York or whatever. But he he spoke at it. And on his screen, he had this two little verses. And he was so humble because I always think of this guy, you know, he's got thousands of members and all this stuff going on. And he, he just spoke on two little verses, and it broke my heart. Because it was just crazy. I don't know, Terry and I really didn't get to talk to you about it, because then I was starting to get sick. Uh, but it just, I mean, for a guy with that stature to come, and he just pulls out two verses, and that was his sermon, wasn't it, Terry? And, you know, I mean, and he was telling things that he'd gone through, and so I don't know who, if you know that, who that guy is, but he's a worldwide pastor, and da-da-da-da-da. So, anyway. So, verse 1. It says, and Samuel died. So, who was Samuel? I ask myself that. Who was Samuel? Wasn't he, he was the prophet, right? He was anointing everybody. He was the man, right? He was the man, Samuel was. Anointed by God, went around, anointed the next king. And all the Israelites were gathered together and laminated him and buried him in the house of Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And so I, I didn't have no little map that shows where Paran is. I still don't know where it's at. I didn't get time to look for it, but it's somewhere, you know, but it's in the wilderness. Okay? And so David didn't even go, from what I can read there, David didn't even go to the funeral. He went to the wilderness. So why do you think he went to the wilderness? I'm always one of those question guys. Why did he go? What do you think? Because that, you know, he, that was his hero. He's that, who's that anointed? David. And so Samuel's finally dead. So who's the, who's the next prophet? Who did Samuel anoint as the prophet? Next king. Samuel was a prophet. Who was the next king in line? David. So, that's why, I mean, okay. So, not the next prophet, but the next king. And so, Samuel was the one that anointed David to be the next king. And so, here is, I'm, I'm thinking his mentor. You know what I mean? It's like if you lose a mentor, you know how you're just like, oh, I'm lost and don't know what to do. And what's going to happen now? Uh, all those questions that we have, you know, it's like, oh man, this is my leader. What am I? What am I going to do now? He's the he. How many people actually know he anointed me to be the next king? 
is what my questions would be. And he said, and he, so he went down to the wilderness in the uh, Paran, and there was a man in Mon who possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and he was shearing the sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was the house of Caleb. So, you know, I'm sure that they had this big passing, and so David's like, hey, i got to get away from here. So he goes down to uh, a man with a wealthy man from Maon, takes his army with him, and so basically is uh, what's really kind of funny, when you look up those names, it's not funny, I guess, but Nabal, on the other hand, he was stubborn, hard-headed, uh, and basically foolish. That's what his, I looked up all that. He's foolish and senseless, and his wife. So I'm going to put my wife is, is in that position. She was wise, and she was good understanding, and then she'll probably smile because we just had kind of had this discussion early this morning, but an uh, understanding. So sometimes God really uses our other better half for our good, don't he? I know in my case he does. So, so basically he's misunderstanding and he's rude and he's crude. And so David sends his man down to get provision, right? We go read through. He said that... Uh, and David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young man, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him, this is verse 6, that live in prosperity, peace be both to thee, and peace to be thy house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. Now I have heard that thou hast shears, now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there nothing missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. And asked thy young man that they will show you, wherefore let the young man find favor in their eyes, come in a good day, give, I pray thee, whatsoever come unto thy hand, and unto thy service unto the son. And when David's young man came to speak to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and cease, and Nabal answered David's servants. This is where it really gets greedy. Who is David? Who? Who is David? So Nabal, what we're going to do is now we've got to find out where did Nabal come from. I like it. It's kind of like the piecing together thing, you know? So it makes me look back. So do you know who Nabal was? What his Nabal's name was was actually fool and senseless is what his name was. And his wife was strength and joy and common sense. And so when I went back, and we're going to find here in the next verse or so, is, uh, and where this all came from, he said, and who is the son of Jesse? Well, everybody knew who Jesse was, right? Wouldn't you think so? There be many servants nowadays that break away from every man from the master. So basically, I'm going to take these off. He uh, was saying that who is David, okay? And what's he asking of me? Well, you know, the thing was, is David's man pretty well protected them when they were out in the desert. Basically, they didn't steal from them. They didn't know they stole from them. They were taken care of. And, uh, you know, he had protected them. And so David's just asking for, uh, 
that, hey, just can they get food or whatever to help take care of us because we've, we've not bothered you guys. We've protected you. And then, and then so one of the young men, this is verse 14, Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, Dave sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he rallied them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we converse, conversed with them when we were in the fields. And there was a wall unto us both day and night while we were them keep sleeping. And therefore, now consider what they'll do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Bela that a man cannot speak to him. So, you know, Nabal, when you look and start reading everything, is he actually came out of uh, the remnant of Caleb, okay? And when they were in the wilderness, he was a, a, one of those sons that came from there. And so basically, uh, Rachel, Abigail, I'm sorry, Abigail said in verse 18, she goes, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and for five measures of parched corn and 100 clusters of raisin, 200 cakes of figs. And she said, go to your servant, said to her servants, go and before me, I become, I come after you. But she told not her husband. So what she did was she recognized that her husband was wrong, okay? And she probably tried to reason with him like she, my wife would me. Does your wife do that to you? You know, when you see that, you know, you can't quite see that I'm wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe you guys are always right. I'm going to tell you I am not right all the time. Probably that much. But I have a wonderful wife that comes to me and says, well, you're wrong, basically is what she's saying. You guys ever have that? Which is a good thing, right? Because we need a check and balance. I think that's what a lot of husbands and wives do is a check and balance with each other. And, and my wife is very gracious. Um, and she will say, you're wrong. You know, or did you think about this? Especially when the kids were younger. Well, you know, you're pretty hard on them, and you know, you've really went like over the line on it. And then I have to go, okay, honey, you're right. How many of us really men like to say, honey, you're right? Does everybody? Huh? Yes, I do. I do. I do. I was wrong. You're right. I sit back and think about it. The Holy Spirit comes in, right? And that's our like check mark. The Holy Spirit says, hey, you're wrong, dude. I mean, he don't say dude, but, you know, I mean, I, that's just how I am, you know. I'm like, you know, I have to put it in my perspective, right, so I understand it, you know. And, uh, and, and you're wrong. And, and we, we talked about that this morning. It was really crazy. Uh, but it came up with this lesson. And so she was gracious enough, didn't tell him the truth, and went around and was fixing it, okay? That's, that's okay. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, my wife doesn't do that, though. She, like, you're the big boy, you're wearing the pants, you go fix this, you know? Especially with my daughters and other people, too, because I don't know about you, but I can be obnoxious at times and rude and crude, and uh, I'm sure that's the flesh, right? And then what that is is the flesh and our thoughts taking over, and we think we've got all the thoughts together, right? And uh, so they took all this food to David, and I am, like, going really quick, aren't I? So... So David was upset, right? Hey, wait a minute. You know what? We have protected you. We have taken care of you. We haven't stolen any from you. And so David, he was just, he really wanted to go whack him, 
you know, and I don't blame him. And so, and when Abigail saw David, she, so she took it upon herself to send the food. She, threw, she knew her husband was wrong. She was taking care of the problem. And, uh, and so verse 22, so and more, also God, do God unto the enemies David, if I leave all that pertain to him by the morning light. And I'm not going to use that terminology, but it was just like, we're done with you. I'm going to take him out. If you want to say that, it's okay. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted, fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground. You know, that's pretty humbling for a wife to go in favor of the husband to kind of ask for forgiveness that he's wrong. I think it goes both ways, though. And to admit that your husband was wrong is a whole other ballgame. When I started reading this stuff, I thought, how many times in my life that Terry and I were married 42 years ago, a couple weeks, uh, and so we took a few days away, and, and it's just really refreshing uh, to how much more we've grown together. For you guys that's been married a long time, hopefully you guys have seen that and seen that, and, and we can't answer each other's questions. I mean, I'm, I'm not that good. Uh, she could probably do it, but I can't. But how Lord brings people together to make it work, right? I mean, I, I enjoy my wife. A lot more than I maybe did in the old days. I don't know, but, but we're getting better. I'm getting better. Not her. She's just getting, she was already good. I'm getting better. How's that? And maybe you guys find that out in your own marriage where two people put together by God and under his unction of the Holy Spirit works it together. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, it's really crazy how we got together anyway. And my father-in-law, when I came back, you know, I told you my testimony a while back ago, but when I came back, the Lord is, is uh, my father, the, the church, the house, their house was right here, I think, wasn't it, pretty well, where you guys, the parsonage was right in here, and somewhere here, and so I asked him if I could uh, take her out, and he said, no, son, you have to prove yourself first. He goes, not can't you go, can't go to youth group with her and stuff like that, but you, you can't take her out. You, you got, uh... and then my mother-in-law was talking the other day about when I came to Ask her uh, him for her hand in marriage. Uh, it was really funny because I spilled coffee everywhere. He made me four cups of coffee, and I remember shaking so bad to ask her for a hand in marriage. He goes, you know what he said? Well, I'm not going to make a mistake this time. You got to go ask your my wife. You got to go ask Judy, because on Lynn and them, he, I guess he said yes and whatever the deal was. But anyway, so then I had to go ask Miss Judy, could I have her hand in marriage? And uh, shaking like a leaf, and so I don't know how about you guys about that, but that's what it's all about, but anyway, they said yes, 42 years later, we're still together, we still love each other, and we probably enjoy each other more than we ever have, I mean, I'm not saying that we're perfect or nothing, but it's the instrument of God putting two people together and letting him work through our lives, that's all it is, I mean, because I'm rotten and scroungy and bad, and, and but God's grace puts us where we're supposed to be. And so I just ended up not being a marriage thing, but what we're doing is we're talking here is where the wife, Abigail, stepped up the plate, knew her husband was wrong, and went before David and asked David, say, hey, you know what, is, I understand, but will you give us forgiveness? And David did. 
And so basically, now we're going to go on to uh, 40, 24. And she fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thy handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Bala, even Nabal, for his name is so as he. So she knew he was a scrounger. You know what I mean? He was rude. He was crude. He, you know, his, his, even his name said he's foolish. She's senseless. Um, I am glad that God didn't allow me to be stiff-necked. You know what I'm saying? That I was, I'm willing to, it's through the Holy Spirit that I'm willing to listen to my wife. A lot of, maybe in the old days I didn't, but a lot more she could tell you. I'm a lot better than I used to be just because it's the Holy Spirit and God working through my life. And, uh, but we're, our marriage is not perfect, but God put us together out of all the other things that be unlikely. I, I go back sometimes and I look how these guys got here to this church how I got here, how Brother Tom got here, uh, Brother Marvin, all those guys that I used to, to be with in this church. And it's God's hand that's working in our lives. And he wants to work in our lives even more. And this is so much evidence of in Old Testament. And so I really got excited when I started looking at this. I'm like, how deep this was, because the woman took up the slack for the man in this case. She knew he was wrong. He, she knew that Nabal was wrong, and so she went to fix it, okay? And, and asked grace for her husband, really, is what she was doing. I have to put my glasses on to see the clock back there, but... Oh, there it is. Okay, see, I can see it now. I can just barely make it out from here. And she fell at his feet, knew who he was, and in 26 it says, Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thou so livest, seeing the Lord hath withheld me from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and thy seek evil to, to me, my Lord, be as Nabal. So David, he was ready to go send his guys to take care of him, right? He was going to take him out. And so when she came, David gave her grace. Now, one of the things that I thought about the other day, and, and yet going over this was, do you ever have thoughts about David, about his character, who he was, what he was? I ask questions myself, okay? So I'm one of these guys that ask myself questions. So whatever happened to David's first wife? Because I've been waiting for it to come up. And you know what? I mean, if you figure that he had a, his first wife is, came from Saul, was Saul's daughter, and then we went out and left. Whatever happened to his wife? I'm always kind of curious about that. Well, in this chapter, it gave you the answer. It's really kind of cool because I'm like, you guys ever get inquisitive like that? I'm just like, what happened to his wife? Because we had never, I have never read it anywhere. And so in this chapter, is Saul had given his wife away. Okay? Which was crazy, isn't it? But he had. And so basically, uh, because I kept thinking, well, does she ever show up when he's out in the wilderness? Does she ever show up while he's doing all those things? And no, but because Saul had, had gave, gave her away to somebody else. How's that? Your father-in-law given your, uh, I mean, the, the uh, yeah, the father gave his wife away. 
Isn't that crazy? I mean, did we ever stop and look at that and read it in Scripture? I can't imagine that a guy would take his wife, his daughter, and give it to another man, and the other man was still alive. Isn't that, I don't know, I just found that odd. Most people won't, but I'm just kind of really odd to that. And so, anyway, she made the loaves, took it to him, laid before him, and he says in 31, Let's go to 30. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. That this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt with, with well with my Lord and then remember thy handmaid. So basically she was just asking, David goes, Remember, I, I came to you, I asked for forgiveness for my husband, and I just want to make sure it's cool, okay? It's kind of a little bit different for me is, is that, especially in those days, the women really didn't get out of bounds that much, did they? I don't think they had that much voice. But just think about that she saved her whole remnant of life by hearing God, and then she went and did that. It kind of sounds sneaky, doesn't it, so for the woman to do that? But what did God have? You know, she was saving everybody in her family. She knew her husband was a mess, and he wasn't right. And so she was going to ask for forgiveness for him as well. And it's really funny how it ends up. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. So, you know, Abigail was more sensitive to the Lord. Now, I'll take that is in your household, who's the more sensitive to the Lord? Guys, come on, you gotta you gotta you gotta be honest. Who's more sensitive to the Holy Spirit most of the time? I'm gonna tell you it's my wife, okay? I don't know about in your world, it it might be you, it might not be your wife, but my wife is more sensitive. And I don't know if it's because of the man thing in us that we gotta be in control and fix everything. Is that what it is, Mike, you think? I think it is. I think we're, you know, the husband, we've we've got it all under control, yeah, we've got this taken care of, and we're all good. You know what? It's the wife behind us that's the backbone giving us that stability. I know she did when my kids give that stability. I know that uh, lots of times in my life, we're probably just like navel, we're stubborn, we're hard-headed, this is the direction we're going on, and this is what we're going to do, and then my wife will I maybe pray or, I don't know, kick me in the head or whatever and go, hey, you know what, you really need to think about that, especially with discipline with my kids when I was younger. You really need to think about this. You really, you know, you really need to to look at this at this. And so finally is if we are open to the Holy Spirit and we listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will go, hey, you're wrong, dude. You know, and we just have to be honest with ourselves. And so the problem is with Nabal there, he was never honest about it. He was just rude, crude. He came out of the land. He was uh, one of, with the spies. He was a descendant of all that. So he knew everything, but he just didn't understand God at all. You know, I mean, I, I look at back in the scripture and it said that, you know, it gave me the genealogy of, of where he came from. And so basically, uh, he, uh, and it's really kind of funny because is that 
he was descendants of the of, you know Hagar and Ishmael, which is which is you remember in the Old Testament where they were uh, the kind of the bad people in the in the tribes. Ishmael was remember he was uh, one of the ones that uh, oh me and my brain's dead. So I get too excited and my brain goes dead. Is that huh? Abraham, yes. So it, it kind of cool. I really like this because when you can piece the puzzles together and see like a motion picture, you know, you start at the front of it and you work your way through. And when we can take and divide the scripture up and see it, it gives us a more vision of what the scripture is trying to tell us. And so I, I think that's really cool. It's because then when you open it up and see it is if we're not, then we need to ask the Holy Spirit to work in our lives if, to, to give us that. I mean, it's, I think it's so cool. You know, I could probably stay on this one chapter for study for about a month maybe and just piece it all out. I don't know about how you guys study. Everybody studies different. I'm a slow learner. Uh, I will go, what if? You know, who, when, where, and why? And what else? what's the other one? Who, when, where, what, why? Huh? What? Do you remember that in grade school or public school is who, when, where, what, and why? Oh, somebody shake, who's back there shaking their heads? So it, it is, isn't it? And so do we, when we look at scripture, I, that's how I break it down. Who, what, when, where, why? And go, because I want, I want to put the puzzle together. I want to put the pieces together so I have a better understanding. And so there's been times I might would stay on a, a month on one chapter. Because, you know, because then the Holy Spirit will give me, well, who? And then, then you go back and start finding out, breaking it down. Well, who is who? And then you look at the genealogies and, well, okay, where this guy came from here and that guy came from here. And then, okay, so what was the reason why they did that? And so that's how I study Scripture because I want the whole picture. I like, I need a picture. I'm a very visual learner. And when, when I can see the whole picture of this one thing, I thought the verse before was awesome. The chapter before was awesome. I just thought it was even more awesome. I, I like, I, I, it's easy lots of times for me to get excited about the little things. It's just like, oh, wow, did you put this dot together and put that dot together? And, and it's like, uh, I hate puzzles, but I like them because I never can find all the pieces. And you know what? God's given us all the pieces right here if we'll get into it and study it. And it's really exciting for me because basically when you look at this is our answers for our life is where? Here. Are we getting it? That's the other key. Are we in there actually getting it and looking at it and studying it? And I think that's a lot of things is, well, we don't have time. Well, we, we just, you know, we don't understand the Bible. Well, the Holy Spirit will help you understand the Bible it's just us digging into it. And I really appreciate uh, the older gentlemen that have been in my life that have took that opportunity to help you to understand it. I mean, like some of these guys here, you know, uh, Val and, and, oh gosh, I'm brain dead. But that's okay. You guys know who you are. You're kind of like the elders, okay? Of the, of, not, maybe you're not an elder, but I respect you guys. I see you come into church, you're here, you sing, you serve, and like uh, Mr. Peterson back there, I, I, I don't think him as old yet, though. You know what I mean? 
but he is getting older. And so they're, I respect those guys. And so basically, because I see them being active about God's work. And that's kind of exciting, isn't it? You know, a lot of people don't see that. And so, I, not that I'm tooting your guys' horns or nothing like that, but, you know, uh, as part of the body is, you guys are important. I just want to let you know that today. Maybe nobody ever says that to you, but I, I want to tell you, you guys are important to me, okay? Not, don't toot your horns or nothing like that, cause I'm, but you guys are. When you're here, you're singing, you know, working around the gym, you're doing whatever it is. And uh, so I want to thank you guys for that, for being obedient and, and being leaders of the church and part of the large involvement. Because as a younger guy, well, I'm not that much younger, but I am younger, so I'll keep using younger, is th- that's what I look at. I look at you guys. You guys are a core of a church that's being very active. And I, I don't know how I got here, but I just see you guys out there, and, and I know you've been ill and... There are issues, but you guys are here doing it, you know? Uh, and even Jim, he's not sitting here, but basically is, I went to church with them a long time ago, and I respect that. And, I'm, you know, maybe one day I'll get old enough to be respectable. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not old yet. And you guys probably think you're not old yet, but I can tell you what, getting ready to turn 65, I can say, man, the shoulder or the leg, the knee, you know? It just happens, and uh, I just want to let you know I appreciate you guys. If you've never heard that before, is I'm just grateful that you guys are here, okay? So, anyway, so I don't know how I got there. This is really a strange thing. I thought I had this thing all down and ready to go. So, anyway, so we'll go back to 32, okay? I'll get back on track. <coughs> David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee to this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and avenging myself with mine own hand. Abigail stopped David from doing something wrong. Isn't that crazy? He's going to be the new king and here this lady, protecting her husband, saved David from sinning even worse. That's what I call connect the dots. You know? And so this woman listened to God, did what she was supposed to do, and David probably said, and he said, did say, he says, you know what? By you coming here today, I have really not sinned because I was going to go kill the guy okay, with David's hands. In 34, in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting these, except thou had hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light and any against the wall. And so David received of her hand, which she had brought him, and said unto her, Go in peace to thine house, see if I have barkened to the voice and accepted thy person. So when I look at that is, is I see that David was listening to God too. It takes both parties. It takes to listen to God. Because you can be, my wife can be listening to God and say something. You know, I'm picking on me today. This, you know, I, I know I said the finger, you know, you got three pointing back at as my father-in-law would say, is I'm pointing to me today. There's a lots of times when my wife, 
hears God before I do, and she already knows the answer before I got it. I don't know if you guys are like that or not. Maybe you guys are way more spiritual, but maybe it's just because I'm unspiritual lots of times. But maybe it's because she sits down and gets to ponder a lot more, and I'm just, let's go, let's do this, let's do that, you know? And, uh, but anyway. So David received her hand, said, go in peace. And here's where the, the real thing starts, verse 36. Because then we're going to see all the fruits of what Abigail had got and, and then got worthy of. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he had a big feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was with Mary with him, for he was very drunken. We're sure, sure he, he didn't tell her anything. But it came to pass when the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife told him these things, that his heart died with him, and it became as a stone. Now, I don't know what a stone looked like in that time. I, you know, you'd think that he just freeze up. I mean, I, I'm visual. Did, you know, he came as a stone. Well, I look at a stone, so did he rock out? I mean, did he become a rock? Or I, I don't know. How do you guys... Yeah, you're visual too. So, I mean, so me, I stone, I look at a round rock, you know, or whatever, but it said, as he turned as a stone when she told him the truth. Isn't that crazy? I think that's, I think that's cool, though. I'm just, I'm just into the cool stuff. You know, I just like cool things, you know, and when you see that and read that, it says, ah, you know, he turned into a stone, you know, like her visual. Maybe you have a different visual of what he looked like. I don't know. I, I have to take it as... You know, he could be, maybe he, I don't know, stone. You know, let's just use, that's what the Bible says, he turned into stone. So, I mean, he's not listening, he's not hearing, he's not moving, he's not rocking. I don't know. Anybody else's thought on that? Michael. Cole? Yeah, see, I mean, yeah. And so basically is unresponsive. Uh, wait a minute. How many times have in my life I have done that to my wife? Oh, okay, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I don't think probably anybody hasn't done that before, but, I mean, we've probably all turned to stone. And, uh, and I, really, it, I, I kind of fixated on that word, really, is because it's like, wow, how many times have my wife came to me and I have been wrong? There you go. I, hey, I, I'll put both hands up. I'm telling you what, I'm a young guy, and I still make mistakes, you know. But to actually turn into stone when she told it like that, I, I'd like to have been there to see that, just to see what that would look like, you know, visually. Maybe I don't want it to happen to me, but uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Is and, uh, he, and his heart died within him. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Anastro. Hey, you know, that's cool. You know, this, everybody, had, we're all visual, different vi visuals of what does a stone look like when he did that? Yes, sir. Froze with fear. Yeah. I mean, I mean yes, ma'am.
Right. And so that's, that's cool because, see, that's when I read Scripture and I, I really meditate on it is I meditate it from my perspective. You guys are doing it at your level, and you take another visual. I hope I don't get in trouble for doing all this walking around. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But you guys have a different visual, and that's important because that's, that's how I learn. That's how you guys learn. That's, that's how we learn about life, is, uh, for me, as a visual person. And we're all different, but guess we're all children of God, right? And so we're all doing should be towards the same thing. Uh, and I think that's what makes a body of Christ up. And so he turned this stone, and however you want to make that stone, I, I probably now that I think about it more, he could have had a stroke. Left numb, paralyzed, but we don't know that. He just said, the Bible just says a stone. So I'll take that one. And it came to pass about 10 days after who comes in that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. So David didn't, God had it figured out. You know, now what about, what about if David would have took it on his own hands to kill him? We don't know. It probably wouldn't turn out like it was, though. And so when we look at our lives, when the Holy Spirit comes in, we actually listen, okay? I, I'm, all, everything, all the fingers are pointing to me that I actually listen is how much better is my life than it was would have been before. Our ears, you know, you got two ears to hear and one mouth to speak, right? So how much more should we be listening to God than speaking? And so when I look at the life that I... I try to hear a lot better than I used to, don't I, baby? Honey, please shake your head yes. <laughs> I try to. Uh, and uh, I'm just telling about me today. You know, I'm just a regular guy, and I'm a sinner. And uh, together, my wife and I, the Lord has allowed us to have a, a really good friendship and marriage. It's, it's, the, it's the Lord. That's all it is. But so, Nabal died. And when David heard that, Nabal was dead. Blessed be the Lord that he hath pleaded the cause of my reproach. So God stepped in and took care of it. How many times has God stepped into our lives and took care of a situation for us, if we allowed him to do it? Most of the time, we just want you know, I mean, I do. I just want you know, or... I'll figure out a way to try to fix it. That's me. I try to fix a lot of stuff, and sometimes I break things. But David was smart enough to let God take care of it. He wanted to go do it, right? He would have done it, but then God took care of it. And so God wants to take care of us if we allow him to in our lives today. This is, you know, when I look at this, this is not just Old Testament. This is life today. And that's why we have to look at the Bible, is what is it, where we're at in our circumstances, how does it pertain to me? How does it pertain to my wife? How does it pertain to my kids and my grandkids? And so what can I do about it? And when the servants of David would come to Abigail to Carmel, this is verse 40, they spoke to her, saying, David sent us thee to take thee to him be his wife. That's cool, isn't it? I thought it was pretty cool, too. Because Abigail had a horrible husband. She took up for him. God killed him, and then David took her as a wife. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, I think so, because, I mean, now, if he had killed her husband, then it might be, oh, you killed the husband so you could have the wife, right? 
But God did the killing, right? And so, so then, this is a really cool tool. She rose, bowed herself on her face to earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. She, wasn't, she didn't really look for being a wife. She was going to be the servant to wash the other people's feet. And David took her as wife. And Abigail hasted and rose and rode upon a donkey with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messenger of David and became his wife. Now, David also took Anaham and Jezreel, and they were both, both of him his wife. And then I always, you remember when I started, I wondered what happened to David's first wife? Verse 44. I'm like, whoa, the light went on. I mean, I just like stuff like that. Because I couldn't figure out where she went to. Because, you know, all the wilderness, she's never been talked about. She's, I've never seen anything about her when they were out in the wilderness. And, and for me, the way I look at things is I'm like, what happened to, what happened to David's first wife? i put these on. Okay. My, oh. Okay, i got a few minutes yet. And, and verse 44, and, But Saul had given Micah, his daughter, David's wife, to Philopia, whatever you say, the son of Lashish, which was of Gilead. So that answered my question. So I was glad I got to really go over this because that whole time, I wondered where his wife was. Quisitive. I'm a quisitive kind of guy. And so now Saul had given David's first wife away, right? Isn't that crazy? I would have, if I was David, I would have been oh, so upset and so mad that I probably would have killed Saul on my own just because of that. But when I look at this and see this, what do you. This is my first line up the top, and I'm going to go back to it. it. says, what were your thoughts about David? So when I do that, I ask myself, during this time frame, we've watched David. He's the shepherd boy, right? You know, takes care of the sheep, right? Out in the world, before, when he's a little boy, took care of the sheep. He uh, was the youngest, um, he had been anointed king. He played the harp for Saul. All these things he did. And all the bad things that happened to him while he was doing this, where would we have been? That's what I, where would I have been? Because, you know, he had already been anointed king that he would be the king one day. He already, he already knew that. And so... I, I look at David as, as like, man, this guy, would we have done that? Would we have gone through all of that and still believe in God and love God? And so I guess for me is, is once again pointing my fingers back at me is, if all that happened to me, would I still be following God? Would I still understand that and want that? And so I think when we look at the scriptures is we just, we really need to go, God, how does this apply to me? How does it, in everyday life, how does this apply to my world? And uh, I know as I get more mature, not older, but I, that's everything I ask for. So let's pray. I, yeah, I know I can see that I'm probably over now. So thank you guys for listening. I just want to let you just go back to your own heart and say, God, what are you doing in your life? What are you doing? What do you want to do in my life? Where I'm at.